Mate, we covered three states today. Yeah, we did. And the thing that I took out of it is that the the Brisbane Carnival is really starting to heat up. Yeah. That's all, that's all I really care about, let's be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And in probably the feature race of the day, um, full credit to the sponsors of that race as well. Um, but I think I've found one of the great get-out-of-the-casino bets of all time, and you'll actually be able to see that on my Ned's profile this weekend as well. Yes, uh, the Ned's profile is great, mate. Um you know, if you want to follow us in, if you followed uh, us in last week, you would have found a couple that's for sure. Maybe you find some more this week at some value, but uh, if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But still, you can do everything else with the Neds app. You can get weird and exotic as well with the Neds same race multi. And, you know, there's no one else I'd rather bet with heading into the Brisbane Winter Carnival. Well, they also have a black book feature there, so you can black book ones for these prep runs into their grand finals. They have the futures markets there. You can do all that good stuff mm-hmm. with the good people at Neds. Mm-hmm. Damn right. But what are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Uh, that yeah, was good. good. That was a good discussion. Mm. Unfortunately, we head to Morphville. <laughs> I heard a rumour. I heard a rumour. I did hear a rumour that this is the best time of the week. What, Thursday? Yeah. Well, I was more speaking about our listeners listening to us. Oh. You know, it's it's finally come, another episode of yeah. our podcast. It's like back in the day prior to uh, streaming services like your Netflixes and stands, so on and so forth, where you could binge an entire series. Mm. Uh, this is before those days where you had to wait week per week to get a new episode of, I don't know, Prison Break <laughs> or Lost. People forget, man. Short memories. Exactly right. So, we, you can binge us from our previous episodes. Our back catalogue is starting to get sizable. Exactly. But you, if you're up with it and, you know, got the latest episode, unfortunately, you're just going to have to wait week to week. Yeah. And... This is a bit more casual season for us because, you know, it's not the autumn, it's not the spring. It's a bit of a, I guess you call it an off-season, but, you know, we're still glancing an eye on the form and, you know. We're trying to keep some residual fitness. Yeah, absolutely. So, I'd say we're kind of in a spell punting-wise, but we're going to cover it regardless. Cool. All right. So, that's what we're doing, but I have a, a bit of a story to tell you. Go on. So, I was at a family barbecue on Saturday, Sunday, over the weekend, let's say, and I heard one of the most shocking things I've ever heard, and it goes to the point that we were discussing on another podcast about cars being depreciating assets. Ah, yes. (laughs) One of the great conversations. It was... So, the chat was around a Toyota Land Cruiser. Have you heard about the landscape of the Land Cruiser at the moment? I I could hazard a guess, but go on. So, friend of the family, not my family, someone else. <laughs> friend, one of the good mates, bought a Land Cruiser last year for 80, 80 grand or in the last couple of years. Guess how much they sold it for this year? Surely they didn't sell it for more than what they bought it for. $130,000. $130,000. Holy Shit. Is that 
it makes no sense. Oh, yeah, no, it doesn't. Oh, I'm well aware that the used car market at the moment is going absolutely gangbusters, <laughs> but I am shocked at a 50K increase. You don't buy cars and then sell them off and make a profit a few years later. No, unless it's like a vintage, like yeah, not Monaro a or something. Not that I'm a diesel head. <laughs> no, I'm certainly not. But- yeah, so apparently what's happened, and I'm sure you've put two and two to get together. It's I certainly didn't. It took me a while. <laughs> but because you can't buy any of these things new in Australia anymore, and because the um, <laughs> because the uh, the shape has changed, so it's an older shape that they want to buy, and you can't get the new ones in or the older models in because. The Japanese aren't actually shipping them here anymore. So, they're actually a bit of a- The demand's out, outweighing the supply. Classic classic economics 101, supply yeah. and demand. And when the supply is minute, the demand is high, the price just goes up. Look at Pokemon cards. <laughs> I know, mate. Perfect know. example. Huge example. So, that's what came across my desk this week and I was shocked by it. Yeah. The, I, I knew that the- used car market was booming at the moment, but to that degree is absolutely unbelievable. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be buying a Land Cruiser anytime soon, I'll tell you that much. But um, something that I was thinking about this week, and and it's been a pretty pretty sizable topic in uh, the rugby league world over the last few weeks. <laughs> rugby league? Rugby league. <laughs> and it's basically how a lot of uh, teams are complaining at the moment because a lot of their young talent is being poached by other clubs. So they're cultivating these younger players who mm-hmm. are coming through in their systems or academies and what have you, and then another club swooping uh, in on this player and offering them ridiculous money. And the CEO of Planet Bronk, Dave Donahue, <laughs> he came out the other week and he just had a little bit of a dig at the other clubs for poaching all the Broncos' talent. Now, would one of these clubs be classed as having a salary sombrero, perhaps? <laughs> yes, the eastern suburbs of Sydney is where they're located. Uh, yeah, so he came out and he was like, oh, you know, it's really unfair. These vultures are coming in and taking our young talent. Pitcher Sam Walsh, I think his name is, who's with the Warriors. Mm. Um, Xavier Coates is now going to Melbourne Storm. Look, a little bit of pot calling the kettle black because the Broncos have uh, on plenty of occasions taken young talent from other clubs, but every club's guilty of it. So it made me think, and this is um, something that's come up from time to time in rugby, rugby league and has just never sort of worked out. You know, the, the conversations have been around, but they've always fizzled out. And it's a draft system. Mm. Works in AFL, works in a lot of other sports all over the world, NFL and NBA. Uh, two of the sort of probably biggest examples of that. Mm-hmm. Why can't the NRL look at something like that? And it's a complex, complex issue, but I'd just like to get your thoughts on why that hasn't happened in the NRL from your, uh, I guess, from an outsider's perspective looking in because whilst you know rugby league and you support it, you sort of grew up with AFL more so. So you you know what a draft system's all about. Yes. So, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm coming to love rugby league. Rugby. I, re- I reckon it's a, probably the best football product on screens at the moment. 
Like, I, I think AFL is a better product to watch live, yeah. personally. But you do hear the contact in league, which I love. Anyway, that aside, I was always under the impression that your club, the strength of your club or ongoing success of your club for a rugby league sense is always built on your junior program. So, look at Penrith, for example. They were quite inconsistent for about a decade, 15 years there. And then they built up their grassroots system. And now they have heard this today. They side that they're fielding against the Titans has one representative player in it for New South Wales and Australia. Nathan Cleary? Yeah. Yeah. Like they have the youngest team in the in the comp. Yeah. So in terms of games played. Yeah. So I definitely think it is built from your juniors, but what the AFL does, and try not to um, go on this too much, but their juniors aren't quite the same. So, a few clubs have academies, which are basically the same as the NRL system. But if you want to hold on to those academy players, then you have to bid more in the draft to keep them. Yeah. So, if you wanted to take them in the fourth round, but someone matches that bid, then you have to take them in the third round, for example. Yeah, fair. So, yeah. I can't see why they can't do that because... At the same time, if the Broncos wanted to hang on to Reese Walsh or Sam Walker. I said Sam Walsh, not Reese Walsh. <laughs> so my bad. But yeah, play no, on. You're thinking both of them. <laughs> I was, yeah. Like if, the, if they wanted to hang on to them, they would have hung on to them. Yeah, exactly right. Um, look, it's, it's a complex issue with NRL and we could talk about it for hours. But I was sort of thinking about it and I'd, I think they need to probably uh, – take a route that's similar to the NFL where they draft from college but they have to see through their college careers before they can get drafted to the NFL. So they're sort of three or four years old and what they'd be uh, in comparison to their NBA compatriots who are sort of 18, 19 when they're getting mm-hmm. drafted and some of them stay in college longer and then declare for the draft but but that's the whole point. You declare for the draft. So when you're leaving high school – you might say, I'm going to go play for this feeder club, mm. which uh, might be, you know, like Newtown or the Redcliffe Dolphins or something like that. You play for them for 12 months, you have a cracking season, and at the age of 19, 20, you say, cool, I'm going to declare for the NRL draft. Issue with that is these are cl- these clubs are feeder clubs right now. So the Redcliffe Dolphins feeds into – I'm not, re- not even sure anymore, but um, you'd have to probably separate that tie mm. because – then you can't have people being drafted from the Redcliffe Dolphins and going to play for the Roosters when they're not a feeder mm-hmm. club. So, complex issue, but I think it might be something that the NRL needs to look at in the future to make it a need more even playing ground. I've heard uh, Den Kemp from Bloke in a Bar fame, one of the great beers, by the way. Um, <laughs> Spono. Unofficial Spono of this podcast. But he, he was saying that what the rugby league needs is an official nationwide second grade competition. Yeah. And that would basically alleviate the issue. That's what I've heard. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great shout. Yeah. Um, complex issue, but it's just something I've sort of been thinking about. And, you know, maybe we should go to Peter v- Vandalay's and um, <laughs> just talk rugby league. And just talk rugby league with him and, and a draft system. But um yeah, just you know, something something to uh, to think about, punters. When you're watching rugby league and you're watching these young fellows get poached from club to club, would would it be better if there was a draft system? I read today that cricket 
is considering a draft system. Hello? From Greg Chappell was saying this because he was saying that India and England have now overtaken Australia in their grassroots talent, identifying of talent. Right. So, he was suggesting investing more into grassroots, which I agree, and then also adopting a draft system. Now, that would be tough. That would be near on impossible, I would have thought. In cricket, yeah. Be so hard. Because- we know, we we used to live with a cricketer. Like yeah. we know his mates really well. Some of them were contractors of the Bulls, and unfortunately, they fall out of form very quickly. Oh yeah, and out of favour as a yeah. result. And cricket, yeah, there's not enough teams to have a drafting system in cricket. No, I don't think so. You'd have to you'd have to have a few teams per state. Yeah, or for most states. Which then the talent pool. It that's where England and India does work because there's. In India, there's two first-class divisions. Yeah. It's like 30 first-class teams. Chalk and cheese. We have six here. Mm. Like, yeah. But I thought, look, alter- alternative thinking is good for the game. It is. So, it is. on you, Greg. Mm. Um, something different that we're doing is just, I don't know, something about racing that we, you know, we're trying to we're trying to formulate. So we did our team of the autumn uh, last week, what we do? Our three worst beats. Yeah. Uh, over the autumn. Some serious PTSD there. Yeah. And you know, we've been looking through the rear vision mirror, but now we're going to look through the windscreen. And we're going to do our spring headlines. What we reckon will be a, a headline that will pop up on racenet or punters.com or via us on the Polo Pug Club. Pun Club podcast through the airwaves that we think will, you know, happen throughout this spring. So, what I one of yours? All right. So, first headline very, very good. Star Mares Group One tally moves to 10 after Caulfield Cup victory. Is that three more? That's two more. Two more. So, she's on eight now. So, I'm thinking she wins. I'm talking about very elegant, by the way, punters. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, look, I could, last spring she won the Turnbull and then the Caulfield Cup. I think she was in the George Main or George Ryder or one of, one of those Whichever ones. ones in the spring. Yeah, uh, which is, um, I think, before the Turnbull. And she ran second or third there. So, mm. I'd back her to win one of those and then go on and win the Caulfield Cup, taking her to 10 Group 1 victories, which would put her one behind Lonro and one ahead of Northerly and the same as Octagonal. So, there's some cracking horses to be in company with. So, I, I can see Very Elegant having another very good spring. She's five, so she'll be six come springtime because August 1, obviously, is the mm. every horse in Australia is born on that day for whatever reason. Happy birthday. Uh, so, she'll be still at the peak of her powers and hopefully she can get to 10 by the end of the spring. Mm, okay. My first one, so we're only doing two each, uh, is Classic Classique. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. The classy grey goes back to back in the Everest. Yeah, fair. I look at our sprinting talent and, you know, Mars Crusader came onto the scene to a degree. Mm. But you look at these three-year-olds, mate, nothing's making a charge. Mm. Like September run has fallen way off the map. She's just not come back this prep after her first up run. Um. Swats, that's probably the second best filly out of those. I can't really see any three-year-olds that are going to turn up as a four-year-old. You can see how Wild Ruler goes this weekend, maybe. Yeah, uh, maybe. That That is true. Um, 
Yeah, look, Classique could very well just absolutely blitz them again this year. And he's coming back to Australia because he just didn't like the smog over in Hong Kong. No, he's come back to uh, brighter shores, that's for sure. Uh, Look, speaking of the Everest, my second headline, Blue Flash, three-year-old Animo emulates yes, yes, yes in Everest victory. There you go. So, look, I'm not saying that he could absolutely blitz him in the Everest, but he could absolutely blitz him <laughs> in the Everest. So, I don't know how well you remember Yes, Yes, Yes's lead-up form into the Everest, but as a two-year-old, mm-hmm. he won the Todman. Yep. Same as Animo. Uh, didn't do that well in the slipper. But in the spring, he ran second in the Golden Rose and then had a few weeks off, went to the Everest, and he won. Mm. 53 kegs, Glenn Boss on his back, gave him a cracking ride, just charged home. Ruined my soul in the process because yeah. I was on Santa. You were, so was I. Macca was on Yes, Yes, Yes. That was a great punt. I think he's about 12 bucks, Macca got him at. To be um, honest, he's probably the only punter you should listen to from our punt club at the moment. <laughs> yes. He's on absolute fire. Very true. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I think Animo can sort of follow that form, but let's see because he might, rather than go to an Everest, they might take him to a Caulfield Guineas or something like that. But the riches of the, the Everest beckons, I think, for Animo. Tell you what, with 49 or 50 kilos on the back in a, yeah. in a uh, Wait Epsom. Wait for age. Or an Epsom, yeah. In an Epsom. <laughs> over a mile, which <laughs> he won by what, six lengths? Holy smokes. <laughs> that could be bed of the spring right there. I've just had a look at the futures markets. It's not up. Um, Epsom's not, but I think the Everest might be. So, Yeah, okay. Oh, look, I don't know what he's paying in the Everest right now, but... Let's have a little Google here. So, you have Nature Strip at 460, Classic at 8s, which seems overs, mm. Mars Crusade at 8s, Animo at 11s. At 11s, okay. That's probably a pretty reasonable price for him yeah. right now. Uh, yeah. That could drift, that could come in, we'll see. Yeah, interesting. Uh, my second one and my final one is Japan confirms spring assault. Oof, I was I was thinking about something along those lines, but I just wasn't really sure who's going to come over. So, well, the Japanese, whenever they come here, they towel us up. Just keep an eye on the Cox Plate if one of them's coming over. League Rashur, do yourself a favor if you haven't watched that. That is one of the great victories of oh, all time. God, yeah. And uh, what was the other one? Uh, the one that won the Caulfield Cup, Liga Shaw and Murder Glace. Mm. And then backed up in the, Mel- in the Melbourne Cup, Damien Lane was going for the four majors. He won the slipper on Kiyomichi, mm-hmm. won the Caulfield Cup on Murder Glass, won the Cox Plate on Liga Shaw, and then he was going for the Melbourne Cup and I think ran fifth or sixth. <laughs> it's not a bad effort. Huge payday. Oh, massive payday in Damo. Well done, mate. Nah, yeah, so fair. I think it'll be interesting to see how the spring plays out with the new uh, guidelines around international horses. Uh, a few Aiden O'Brien horses as well could be assaulting the <laughs> assaulting <laughs> assaulting the Cox Plate in the in the Caulfield Cup and the and the Melbourne Cup. I know he's probably aiming. Um, last year's place getter in the Melbourne Cup, Tiger Moth, not mm. at the Melbourne Cup again, but probably at a Caulfield Cup or a Cox Plate. So, uh, a Cox Plate, wait for age, four-year-old, probably mm. makes the most sense. I think so too. So, yeah. yeah, keep an eye out for them, punters. Beautiful. Uh, that's our spring headlines. I like that. That yeah, was good. good. That was good discussion. Mm. 
Unfortunately, we head to Morfittville uh, for the Goodwood. So, thank God it's the last one. And look, this this field's okay, but it's yeah. not setting anything on fire. If you combine this field with the Demon 10,000 field and got the best horses out of both those races It'd and be put a them fantastic together, it'd be a cracking field. race. Cracking race. So, uh, yeah, look, Morfittville, Adelaide, the city is uh, the. You know, state of South Australia, I apologise, but you need to pick up your act. You really do. <laughs> your racing is terrible. Um, so, how do you see the Goodwood unfolding? Well, there's a clear on toppy here for me. Yes. And that's number two, Gitra. Hmm. Uh, he is a horse that I backed a fair few times. I had him in the uh, Everest. He ran third there. Good race. I... Um, had him in the Goodwood last year as well and just got pipped on the line by trekking. And we were all together watching it at uh, Dolab's house from, yes. from memory. Yeah, so, we were. Uh, and I think Brad had trekking and he was very so smug for the rest of the evening. And, and Swepo, he's a, he's a big fan of trekking. Trekking's not here this year. No, he's up in the Sunshine State. Yeah, because he, he, t- he took a better turn at the, at the intersection. That's why. <laughs> uh, he went right instead of going left. But... Um, yeah, Gitra, first up, uh, he's got a cracking record. If there's a bit of wetness around, that's an absolute uh, big green tick for him. Got a good record at this track. Uh, he's launching from barrier four, which is where you want to be, over 1,200 metres. Jason Clett comes down from Sydney to take the ride. He's a clear on toppy for me. A um, couple other chances, but what do you reckon, mate? I can't have Gitra in this race. Not after... Not after nicking his tendon and having half a year off. Apparently, he's in great nick. They always say that. And tendons mm. are a different kettle of fish. Tendons are near on impossible to come back from. So, he and um, Rothfire are the ones I hope do come back because our sprinting ranks are much better for Gitra mm. being healthy. But I'm happy to take him on. Um I do think he's also an elite 1,000 to 1,100-meter horse. Now, I had egg on my face when I said that for uh, Derby Day and he absolutely towed him up in the, over the 1,300. Yeah, he did. But look, happy to take him on here. Um, I was I was weighing up between the top weight behemoth and Kemal Parsa. Mm. Now, last time they were first up at Morfittville and this is where behemoth rocketed into near favoritism for the all-star mile after that first up run. He defeated Kemal Parsa by three lengths by over the 1100 in the Durbridge and uh, he looked elite that day. He did, yeah, and then he let us down next start. He did. But Behemoth, I think he's won a trial since by looks like four, no, two and nearly three lengths. Uh, his form suggests that he can do it on good or soft tracks. I think he does go better on a, on a hard deck now, which I am expecting to get um, by the time this race rolls around on Saturday. Craig Williams on board, which is huge. Um, he's He knows how to ride this horse inside and out. Barrier six is perfect. I th- I'm on the big boy behemoth with Camel mm. Passa running a good race. He's a very honest horse these days. Mm. Willow has also ridden that horse from memory uh, in the spring when it goes. Yeah, he has uh, on Derby Day. 
He's chosen to ride Behemoth, so that's a good indicator there. And I think I did sneak Geetra into third, but I do concede that Bo Rossa and Instant Celebrity are the best of the three-year-olds. Yeah, fair. Um, look, I thought Behemoth would run a good race. I yeah, I, I probably prefer him uh, over a longer distance, even though, yeah, like you said, he blitzed him over 1,100 metres in Morpheville uh, earlier on this year. Uh, so I've got him running into the numbers, but I've actually got Camel Passer running second. I think Camel Passer will run a really good race here. Um, yeah, loves loves the deck when it's wet, proven over the distance. Loves going around Morfordville. Uh, if you look at his stats at the track and distance, seven starts, two wins, three seconds, and two thirds. So I think he'll run a cracking race. And at that price, punters, uh, yeah, if you if you want to give Camel Passer a whack each way, definitely a great shout. Oh, he just won the whatever the race that was, about a month ago. They're keeping him fresh, and he won that race by t- two lengths. But then his start behind that was running third in the Oakley Plate mm. at any old price, destroying my multi in the process. But he's a very underrated horse. $10 seems uh, a stupid price for him. Mm. So if you like him, can't knock you. So, yeah, Behemoth on top. Kemmel Pass running second and Gay try for third for mine. Nice. Now we get into the winter. Winter carnival. Feels a bit chilly. It does. I've got, you know, I've got my long johns on. Fleecy. Fleecy. So the fleecy stakes, the (laughs) Dooman 10,000. Here we go. The first group one of the winter in Brisbane. Um, Look, as you said, mate, I would have loved just one sprinting group, one on the day, combine the fields, get rid of the... uh, who we get rid of from this field? Panino, embrace me on your bike. Kings will dream on your bike, son. And then we'd have we'd have a cracking race, but we'll do with what we have. Eduardo, who I've given a fair clip in the past, is our favourite here. Are you on him? Geez, he's short at two dollars and five cents, isn't he? He is. Oh, I think he's going to be awfully hard to beat in this race. I really do. As as much as I don't. Uh, I want to back the pretender. Uh, I think he's going to be very hard to beat. We've spoken about before how different 1,000 metres is to 1,100 metres to 1,200 metres. Only 100 metres apart each race, but the dynamic of the race is is very different. Uh, I think Eduardo is better over 1,000 or 1,100 metres. But I still look at this race and I look at his form – uh, on a wet or heavy deck, it's it's outstanding. Look, it doesn't mean to say he can't run 1,200 out from five starts. He's got a first, a second, and a third. Uh, launches from barrier six. He'll roll forward with Nashi. Nashi knows how to ride a leader, get him into a great spot. I'm expecting probably the inside of the rail by this point of the card to be probably pretty torn up. Uh, Doombin doesn't drain awfully well so i feel like doombin drains okay yeah eagle farm is the issue oh I eagle think. farm's worse but doombin's doombin's not that great yeah uh I so know. i reckon we'll still get probably like a soft seven on yeah. saturday but um and we can tell you from the horse's mouth it was pissing down yesterday oh cats and dogs titanic scenes yeah actual titanic noah's ark where are you <laughs> yeah so i I think he's going to be very hard to beat. The other horses that uh, will threaten for mine, can't go past trekking. He's a great horse. He's honest. 
I think he'll try and run into the numbers old trekking. What happened last start? Yeah, that was bizarre. He was about dollar five cents there. Dollar mm. <laughs> ninety. Uh my concern is that it was on a soft six. I don't know if he likes the soft deck anymore. So I think he'll run well, but yeah, would be surprised. I think Wild Ruler comes into this uh, in some hectic form. He's only had two starts on soft decks. Yeah, and he's that- placed once, so that's the concern. But he is out of schnitzel. I I have a feeling he doesn't like it. Yeah, he's a really bone dry schnitzel boy. Yeah, he's yeah. a schnitzel no condiments. Yeah, no type condiments of for him. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I went for something way out of the box. I can I guess what it is? Yes, is it with a new trainer? No, <laughs> I was about to say no. If you went, if you went graph, I, I wouldn't think that's a graph. I wouldn't think that's a bad bad shout at all. Really, well, Uncle Tony Golan, first time. Graf definitely does his best racing first up, and mm. Tony would just, you know, he'd have a stern word to him. Remember Jonker? Yes, I do. Absolutely. So, he broke the track record in his first race first up for, for Tony Golan. I was at the track that day, and I didn't have him in my quaddy, did I? No. Yeah, of course not. Sorry, do you remember a horse called Crone? <laughs> yeah, I do. Because uh, Tony Golan turned her around too. He really did. So, I don't think he needs to turn this horse around. But this horse has finally drawn a gate. Mm. Glenn Boss is on board. Mm. Vega won the mm. Queenslander. Maybe it'd be great to see a Queenslander win. Nick Inova beat him last up, which I nearly had to fall over, <laughs> realising that that horse has actually won a race um, in the victory stakes. Um, I don't know. I think I like Vega one here. He finished off really nicely there, uh, only beaten less than a length, gets out. Uh, stays at the twelve hundred meters, but uh, sting out of the uh, sting in the ground doesn't doesn't worry him. Peaks third up here, I think Bossy can steal this at fourteen dollars. Bossy could steal this at fourteen fourteen dollars. You never know. Yeah, you never know. The rest of the chances, I reckon Splintex is a sneaky shout. Yeah, I, I was talking to Brad this week, and and Brad thinks Splintex is a good shout too. And if we look at the speed map. Well, you have Eduardo going forward. Eduardo will roll forward. I think Splintex will be right up there with him. Provide decent pace uh, in the race over 1,200 metres. Uh, so, I think every horse will have its chance. Uh, Doombin is pretty sort of tight turn. So, you'd want to be probably, I guess, it's more favourable to draw the inside barrier uh, here. So, yeah, Splintex draws barrier one. Vega one uh, draws barrier three. Eduardo draws barrier six, which isn't too bad. Yeah, look, I, I think Eduardo will be very hard to beat, but $2.05, no thank you. It is short. Yeah, very short. So, is he on toppy? I've got him on top because I, I don't think he'll be too good. Uh, I don't think Wild Ruler will enjoy the deck, so I'm going to leave him out of my top three. But I've got Graf uh, in there. I think Graf could run a cracking race for Uncle Tony and Splintex as well, running into third. So, you don't even have trekking up there? I don't have trekking, nah. I think he'll run really well. But yeah, I don't. I don't think the softer track is is his go anymore. Poor trekking. It's a good case you make. He's a very good horse, though. He is a good horse. Maybe he's looking for the fourteen hundred of the Stradbroke. Maybe. Um, yeah. I don't know. I have trekking in my numbers, but I don't know. I do like your graph chart. Um, 
honestly. And really I do have good. I do have Splintex in there as well. But what about Big H? Big H's a Herovian. Not here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he went up against an elite mile field and he, he did himself proud running fifth in that race. He runs well over 1,200 metres. I'll tell you that much for free. He does. Loves the Doomben track. Oh, I'd love to see it. I w- <laughs> Let's I put it this way. We'd get kicked out of the quaddy, but I'd love to see it. Yeah. And for those who are watching on YouTube, that's not the Herovian. No. <laughs> that's Tyzone. No. Who uh, won this race last? No, year before last? Uh, he won the Stradbroke last the year. The Stradbroke last so year, that's right. we have a sprinter, a middle distance, a stayer, and a three-year-old. And that's the sprinter you got. There you go. I have Santa in front of me, one of the greats. That's right. Actually, didn't the Bostonian win this race in 2019? Yeah, because this didn't get run last Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, the Bostonian, 40 bucks. <laughs> Did you yeah. have it that day? No. No, no. I tipped him. No, we tipped him on the very first podcast we did here. That's right. The Wink Stakes. That's right. And he ran a really nice 10th. Oh, brilliant. Off to a flyer. <sighs> no, that that race, that Doombin 10,000, Nature Strip was about three bucks. Maybe two bucks, and some punter, some idiot, put two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on him. <laughs> I don't think. I think at the time he'd won the Galaxy. I think in the lead up, mm. and this is over twelve hundred meters. He hadn't proved him proved it at twelve hundred meters yet, and some punters gone like, "Nah, this is it. This is it." Pretty sure Osborne Bulls <laughs> was in that race as well. Yeah, he flew. Yeah, we were all on him. <laughs> I think we had him one out in the quad here, Ray. <laughs> He did that a lot. Yeah. One out in the quaddy for Osborne Balls. Oh, what? You lost again? No, no, no. Next time. Next time. Next time. Yeah. Oh, crikey. I digress. Mm. Let's get through the juicy stakes here. Uh, last week, uh, Alison Tuffy ran fifth. She actually ran pretty well, but, mm. you know, outside the top four we're after. Uh, my roughy was let's crack a deal, and he ran really well to, to run second behind Explosive Jack, who looks a genuine stayer, that horse, but anyway. He does. Mm. Uh, we both had Laquero. Yeah. Yeah, and he ran 10th. Mm. Uh, and my best was Wisdom of Water, who ran third. Uh, Cherry Tortoni, uh, he won, and he had to win in that race. Yeah. So, so I heard, but um, mm. interesting. But anyway, let's get on to the value plays. What do you have? Uh, so, I've got a Ruffy in Doombin race five, number five, the frontman. Okay. Uh, so, it's an Anthony Friedman um, trained horse, J-Mac on the back. Uh, so, it was uh, first up in Eagle Farm last start over 1,200 metres, stays at the 1,200 metres, Finished off nicely there, and if we know anything about Anthony Friedman and two-year-olds, he knows how to train them. So, mm. I think at, at 15 bucks, he's a great shout. I think the dangers are Tiger of Malay uh, and see you in spring in that race, and also the Heathcote um, horse, uh, Prince of Boom. But I think Frontman <coughs> will give you a run for your money. At 15 bucks, punters. Stiffmeister's in there as well. Well, that's my roughie of the day. <laughs> yeah. Go Stiffy. The Stiffmeister uh, with Michael Rod on board. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> Michael Rod on the Stiffmeister. And yeah, that's just too good to be true at $71. If that's not an omen bet, I've never heard one. Oh, yeah. Maybe I have to jump off. Maybe I have to, maybe I have to jump off frontman. So, jump on the Stiffy. 
Eighty-one dollars to Stiffy. Eighty-one dollars. Ludicrous price for an omen bet. You absolutely have to. <laughs> so Stiffy's my value play of the day, and I have a bonus one as well. Um, race eight on your programs: twelve hundred meters, fillies and mares, twelve hundred. Um, number thirteen, Mousy. Uh, the Edmund Stable bossy on board again. Fifty-four kegs. This mare has a pretty damn good turn of foot. She sits back in her runs, but she can really finish off quite nicely. So, uh, in that Allison of Tuffy form, she actually beat home Crone that day. So, that gives you an idea of the ability that this horse has. So, excellent. Excellent. Uh, each way. We're still in Doombin. We're in race four, number six, So You Win. Uh, pretty recognisable silks on So You Win. Mm. Uh, J-Mac on the back, Chris Waller horse, uh, gets to 2,000 metres where it has a cracking record, uh, also has a good record at the track. Third up here uh, after running a couple of placings so far, this prep uh, goes up to 2,000 metres, drops a couple of kegs. Launching from barrier nine, got So You Win. Yeah, has a bit of a... Bit of a rivalry with Get Stuck In in that race. It does, yeah. Finished third behind it two starts ago. Um, then it beat at home five starts ago. And then four starts ago, it ran third to it again. Mm. So, uh, very good. Keep an eye out. I have, look, this is a bit of a stab in the dark, but Vega won in the feature. Yeah. I think he's just going to run a brilliant race. There I reckon, yeah. Uncle Tony's going to get the chalkies, man. We'd love to see a Queensland horse win. Absolutely. All right. So, best bet of the day. We're going to Adelaide. Oh, no. Race four, my girl, Ruby Saki. I didn't even see her on the form guide. Oh, no. She's she's short. She's about $2.70. But she, I think she'll probably get a, a, a softer deck here than what she had in the uh, Tab Classic, the Robert Sangster. Where she charged home for a gorgeous-looking third. Oh, gets a softer deck here. Stays at distance, which I think suits. Launch Launches out of barrier two. There's not tons of pace in this race, but I think she'll she'll go on pace. She'll be a bit forward, more forward than what she usually is. So, oh, yeah, Ruby Saki will be awfully hard to beat. There is one horse, dare I say it, that's in here. Number four, Brooklyn Hustle. And what did I say last start? What she might need is a drop back in grade and a small field. She very well could. And uh, by the looks of it, she's against her own sex, which she is. When's the last time she's done that? She'll have every chance here. Brooklyn Hustle. Uh, but no, I want to be with Ruby. Gee, it's a racing two there. Mm. Um, yeah, no. I won't talk you out of that. You, you wouldn't be able to. No. It's my girl, Ruby. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my best of the day, race four in Doombin. Number one, Hangman. That horse is absolutely flying. He's won three of his last five, ran third in the other two. Beat home Persan. Gives you an indication of how good this horse is going. Um, and I think he's better than this lot. Bossy on board again. So, I'm hoping Bossy oh. has an absolute field day for me. I'm hoping J-Mac has a field day. So, yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah. But uh, that's another one done. So, I'm, I, I feel comfortable. I feel safe 
that the racing's back in Brisbane. It's good, and you know we missed out on on a few good races last year. Uh, I'll be at the track, punters, if you want to heckle me. <laughs> so I'll be up close and personal with some of these magnificent beasts, creatures, creatures. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be good to see some of these horses uh, in action live, and um, yeah, I think it'll be a cracking winter carnival, man. I'm looking forward to it. Do me a favor, uh, say good day to Stiffy and Roddy uh, in the mounting yard for me. We'll do. I'll um, I'll say something that's a little bit dubious. Please do, and you know, report back to us. We'll do next week. <laughs> we'll do all the best. Thanks, mate. Hooroo.